the business of boosting Boise. One of the trends that's coming up is solo travel. People are taking more trips by themselves. So how can they see, you know, we have such a safe, um, clean city, um, a great environment here, uh, that this is an ideal market for them. From solo travelers to sports and more, we talked to Carrie Westergaard of Visit Boise about tourism in Idaho's capital city. Next. This episode of the Boise Dev Podcast is sponsored by Lombard Conrad Architects. If you're a frequent Boise Dev reader, you've probably seen their credit on renderings on many cool projects. This Idaho-based firm is focused on designing public architecture through a spirit of collaboration. They've been in business for more than 50 years, and you'd recognize their work from the Velma V. Morrison Center for the Performing Arts to the Ada County Courthouse and Meridian City Hall, and that stunning new Center for Visual Arts along Capitol Boulevard at Boise State, that's their work too. Lombard Conrad Architects values partnership and community above all else. They say it's what drives them to fulfill a simple yet significant mission, to enrich and inspire the human spirit through architecture in public spaces. You can learn more at LombardConrad.com. Thanks to Lombard Conrad Architects for their support of Boise Dev. This is the Boise Dev Podcast. Here's your host, Don Day. Carrie Westergaard, Executive Director of Visit Boise. Welcome to the Boise Dev Podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. So we like to kind of talk about people's paths to their current gig. You've had your current gig a long time. When did you start in this role? It will be nine years Crazy. in early January. I know it just flew by. Crazy. And what led you to this job and... and and what made you want to do this for a big part of your life's work? Well, I am one of those few people that actually went to school for tourism and hospitality, which I'm so excited that there's a program now here at Boise State. Uh, but, you know, most people are like, you did, because everyone lands in, in this career in a different way. They have different paths. And so mine was a traditional path where I actually went to school for it, but I thought I was going to be in the airlines. Huh. I was like going to school thinking, I'm going to work for the airlines, and I have not worked for an airline a day in my life. <laughs> so did not go that way, did not go that way, ended up in um, resorts, hotels, property management. And then through that work, you find out about chambers of commerces and visitor bureaus and the work that we do now. And um, I really um, love, love this work and couldn't see doing anything else. So you kind of get a hospitality degree, you've got your mindset on the jet set world <laughs> where where was your first job my first job my parents moved to lake placid new york okay. after well i was in college when they moved there so during the summers i would work for this resort in lake placid and so after i graduated i really didn't know where i was going to go i did think the airline so i didn't think i'd end up in lake placid for a long period of time but um the resort that i worked at had a sales position so they were like do you want to come and do sales and i was like sure and just really learned on the job um loved that work i mean a lot of it was it was you know a golf resort there were weddings reunions um it it kind of just gave me a vast um you know array of of different things in the sales world and then they closed down 
<laughs> so oh, crazy. my very first job, I got my severance little pink slip. I'm like, well, is it not a reflection on my sales ability? <laughs> 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 but I was 22, right? <laughs> so I, I said, well, you know, I've always wanted to go to Colorado. And um, my parents were like, what? Where? So you're an East Coast person. <laughs> East Coast. And you're like... Heading to the mountains. I want to I wanna just pack what I can put in, my skis, my bike, and I want to go to Colorado. I had some friends that were sprinkled around between Denver and then in the mountains, you know, Steamboat and Boulder. And I ended up in Denver working for a hotel, again, in sales. And I kept visiting a friend over in Steamboat. And they heard about this place called Ketchum, Idaho mm-hmm. and Sun Valley, Idaho. And Um, And of course I knew Sun Valley Serenade and, you know, but I really, East Coast at that point in time, we really did not know a lot about um, the West, right? Right. And the Western ski resorts, unless you had been there. And so I, again, quit my job and packed my car up and headed to Idaho. And so I've been here almost 30 years. Crazy. (laughs) I know. I know. So it's been a long, great career. I ended up in property management over there in Ketchum and then... Um, I don't know if some of you may know Wendy Jaquit. She mm-hmm. recruited me over to the Chamber of Commerce and um, kind of grew within that organization, ended up being their marketing director for about 13 years. And then you landed uh, at what was the Boise Convention and Visitors Bureau and is now Visit Boise. And you've... Yeah, I actually came over to um, for... I wasn't sure what job I was going to get to begin with. I knew I wanted to come to Boise. Mm. Um, I ended up at the Chamber of Commerce to begin with, overseeing their leadership programs and their young professional Mm -hmm. group. And it was the best infusion into the city and community. Mm -hmm. I mean, I found my people, I found like-minded people that were really cared about the community. And um, through that work, I got to know the Convention of Visitors Bureau. And when this position came up, I I decided to go for it. So CVB is... I think a little unique here in that it's kind of under the umbrella of the chamber. It has some links to the Boise Center and explain how that kind of works for people, how that structure works. Absolutely. So uh, when I came on nine years ago, it was a separate 501c6 organization and we were um, provided space at the Chamber of Commerce. So we had a great relationship with the Chamber of Commerce already and I was coming from the chamber side. So it was a lot easier to have that trust and Um, just made a lot of sense in a lot of ways without a lot of duplication of services, right? Right. And and IT and copiers. And I mean, just similar to like a place, you know, like a business place like that you're in Mm -hmm. here. Um, So we merged about a year and a half, about a year, year and a half after I was there. And um, what I like to say is they're like the parent organization and more the tourism division, similar to the Boise Valley Economic Partnership. They're the economic development. Um, We are separately funded. So we are about 95% funded through a hotel tax. Mm -hmm. Um, And so all that is kept, you know, separate. Um, I will say that um, we have a great partnership. You, You mentioned the Greater Boise Auditorium District. We are their marketing partner so we have an annual contract with them to provide marketing and promotion and sales for the convention center to bring in conventions and meetings to the convention center and i know that it's confusing to people because they also have a sales team that we work hand in hand with our sales team represents the entire area Mm -hmm. um, garden city and boise all the hotels the hotels that have meeting space like a riverside a grove hotel 
And then we also work in conjunction with them to bring in large multi-hotel conventions that will fill the convention center. And, and so that's where the differentiator is. So the auditorium district obviously is a kind of this funny boundary, kind of, kind of funny shape. Uh, most of Boise Parts Meridian mm-hmm. uh, organization, they operate Boise Center, but they exist to drive hotel room sales and get people in hotel rooms to drive more tax. And, but they aren't necessarily there to promote, you know, a convention that's at the Riverside, for instance. Right. So you kind of help work together kind of hand in hand to present one united force if you're out on a trade mission or like hey come to Boise and have a meeting at Boise Center and put people at the Riverside or a convention at Riverside I mean is that kind of how that works exactly Um, and then the other part you know of what we do is the leisure side and the cultural you know the sports the Um, And so, you know, the sports have been pretty big and it really was significant during the pandemic where meetings and conventions pretty much shut down, you know, during that time um, where we could really lean in and um, work on the leisure side and some sports um, that were distancing, you know, they had limited participation. Like when we had the Big Sky Conference Mm -hmm. that year, only I think there were 200 people in a 5,000 seat arena. (laughs) spread out with the first one got stopped by COVID. Yeah, it did. It did mid conference. So, um, you know, it's a real vast array. The Idaho tourism um, program has a grant program as well. And that's Mm -hmm. part of our funding. And so that is representative of all the marketing and sales um, that we and the leisure um, social media, our website, everything that falls under marketing goes um, through that that grant. So a bunch of things to dig in there. But uh, since you just brought up sports, let's let's talk about that. Um, You know, we are seeing a little bit of an increase in Mm -hmm. sports here. Uh, the Steelhead's obviously going strong for a long time. Boise State football going strong for a long time. Um, but some new things. What's exciting there? I believe you have a person who's dedicated to that that piece of the, the puzzle. What's that look like? We do. We have a, a sports sales manager We who also helped create a council, a sports council mm-hmm. this year, which has been really exciting because it's really bringing together those venues and sports organizers, um, you know, such as the famous Idaho Potato Bowl, um, the Big Sky Conference, anyone that's holding us with the Twilight Criterium, um, getting them together, uh, you know, quarterly to talk about things, um, needs, to talk about a lot of its volunteer needs, right? All these events need huge numbers of volunteers, um, sponsorships, um, sponsorship opportunities, all of that. Um, I would say that's just going to grow. Um, and our sports, um, having a dedicated sports, we've, I've always thought it was important. Since I started in 2015, we've had someone dedicated to the, um, the sports cycle. I will say Lucas does a phenomenal job. Um, he's brought in some national new events like the climbing, the national climbing event or the USA BMX. So that was out in Caldwell. Um, because that's where the venue, you know, worked best for them, but they stayed all over in, in a lot of Boise Meridian hotels. So a lot of, and in, in a lot of what we do, even far west soccer, they, the rooms go from Mountain Home to Ontario, Oregon. Mm-hmm. I mean, people, teams are staying everywhere. And that's so. every two years? Well, that's not really Or is it irregular? Had, okay. It's, it's supposed to be, you know, bid cycle. Um, every year there's a, a bid. We were fortunate to host it multi, multi-years multi just because they love Boise and they mm-hmm. love the fields out at Simplot. 
Um, should explain what that is, I guess, the, the youth soccer tournament that's the region, right? Right. So it's a regional soccer event that encompasses 11 different Western states, including Hawaii and Alaska. So a lot of these, um, you know, uh, youth or sport or sorry, soccer um, teams that are coming in are coming in um, for the entire week, even if they lose. They have their tickets. They're staying. So they love that they can go you know, on a trail, um, mountain biking, or they can go um, off river rafting with their family. There's just a lot to do here. Um, They are going to Hawaii next June. Um, I've heard, you know, there could be a back in 2025 kind of thing. So, yeah. How do you, are there there things on the horizon? I know that the NCAA uh, has come here uh, for part of the March Madness tournament for years and, and, and decades. seems like there's some question about the future viability with that, with some of the political environment in Idaho and in other states. Do you see the NCAAs returning here? That's always really exciting. Is that something you think will happen? I certainly hope so. I know Lucas went to the NCAA, um, they had a, a conference a few months ago, um, that uh, Boise State, they've got a great team over there. And, and they're really, I would say, since I've been here, I feel very in- inclusive of wanting to work with the community to try mm-hmm. to get some of these events. Some of them may not be basketball. I mean, we hope we get the basketball for sure. Um, but cross country mm-hmm. um, could definitely happen here with the NCAA. So, um, you know, I am hopeful. I definitely would love to see it here. And I know we've got a team that's... Um, you know, they don't like, they'll, they're push and push and push until we can get some yeses. So what's the value of things like the, like the Bass Soccer Friendly, which obviously it's been a number of years now, those kind of one-off high profile events. Does that have particular value when you bring in people who might not have any other reason to come here? Do you see repeat business from that? How does that kind of work together? Well, I, I mean, I, that was a phenomenal event, and I would hope, I, I love the tie-in with Hialdi mm-hmm. um, and the cultural aspect of that event, um, but it, let's say it wasn't that particular event, it was another high profile. It's introducing Boise and Idaho to, you know, the people maybe have never been here before. We hear, like, we had some great um, high-profile conferences this summer, um, one that BVAP was really involved with, IAMC. And there were people from all over the country, right? And they had they had never been here, and they had no reason to come here except for this conference gave them the reason, right? Because they didn't have family, they weren't so sure, you know, why would I, you know, I've got all these other places I want to tick off first, right? And now they're like, I'm gonna come and I'm gonna stay longer. I'm gonna bring my family. This this city is um, way more than I thought. Um, you know, you don't know what people's perceptions are before they get here, but I think they think it's much smaller than it is mm-hmm. with a lot less amenities. So it's a very marketing-driven type of a, a organization. When you're looking for how to market the Boise value, how do you look at it? I, I've been getting ads for um, Visit Seattle uh, over the over the Christmas holiday. And it's like, well, we got a hockey game, we got the Nutcracker, and we got this. I'm like, well, I've got all that in Boise. I mean, right. other than you, you're putting Santa in a, an aquarium, which I don't think happens in Boise, like, where would I go to Seattle for those things when I can stay here? How do you sell that differentiation so that when somebody's looking to spend money, they're going to come to Boise instead of Portland or Seattle or Bend or, or 
even Sun Valley or Jackson Hole, how, how do you um, make this the case that this is the place to spend those tourism dollars? Well, we like to talk about how accessible everything is mm-hmm. here. Uh, you can have some of the same things, like, you know, you might have hiking in Seattle, but it might take you an hour to two hours to get there. And when you get there, you're going to be with a lot of other people, right, hiking that same trail. Um, so you do have the urban amenities and then you have the outdoors. And I think there are outdoor cities. I've, I've been self-proclaiming the city, Outdoor City USA. Mm-hmm. I really feel like it could be Outdoor City on a patio mm-hmm. or Outdoor City, you know, up on the ski mountain within you know 40 minutes from downtown i think a lot of what we have the hundred or the over 200 miles of trails here um you know other places may have them but not this close and this accessible where you could literally you could stay in a hotel downtown not have a, a car and get to the outdoors very quickly um so i think you know people like that feeling of yes i still have my urban amenities but you know kind of like a base camp type thing but i can go and do these i can go and do a river trip i can go you know and explore the wine country but then i get back and i have a great dinner at night and you know one of the things i know i we want to start you know really really pushing is um, some of the downtown, I mean, there's such unique shopping here. And especially, I just want to give a shout out just before the um, the holidays. And, you know, we work closely with the Downtown Boise Association, and, and they do a phenomenal job in um, getting people downtown. But, you know, that just to try to get out there and support the local shops, I think they really would, would love to see everyone in their doors this winter. Mm-hmm. How, um, how does that interface work? You, so you're... The Boise CDB is just the city limits, or is it broader? We are, we pretty much follow (laughs) currently the Greater Boise Auditorium limits. So So it's Boise, a little bit of Meridian, kind of that. And Garden City. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when you're you're looking at that and you're marketing this and, and you're saying, okay, we want people to come here, is it a holistic thing, or do you try and focus on specific individual things? How does that kind of play together? We are we we are pretty specific on um, there's different. It's more instead of it's more psychographics, right? Mm-hmm. It's more about so it's not age necessarily, as it is um, the type of person and what they like to do and enjoy doing. Um, so some of it is family oriented. Some's um, you know couples or friends trips or there you know what's a big trend that's um, happening more and more we just had an agency day i like to call it um agent well i won't say it. agency day where we brought in um we had our pr firm and we work with a, two different agencies in town marketing agencies um one in town and one in texas and um one of the trends that's coming up is solo travel mm. people are taking more trips by themselves so how can they see, you know, and we have such a safe, um, clean city, um, a great environment here, uh, that this is an ideal market for that. We're seeing a lot of more hotels. In fact, as you walked in, I've been writing up to two more hotels proposed out by the airport. And there's a, certainly a, a broad array. There's a whole bunch kind of in the hopper downtown. One of the things I've historically heard from the auditorium district is we really could use a convention hotel but the demand keeps getting soaked up in smaller hotels. Do you think that that's something that, that holds the area back, that there's not this, you know, JW Marriott or some sort of similar type property that has its own convention facilities all in one house? 
or do you think that the system of kind of pulling it together and pulling together several hotels is still working? Okay, I can, I can, I'll answer that Complicated two ways. Complicated question. Yeah, yeah I'll yeah, answer yeah. it two ways. We've, we, our biggest reason for lost business is not enough hotel rooms mm-hmm. or not enough space mm-hmm. in the convention center. Um, we have also been on that, we need one large hotel, right? Yeah. We've wanted that one large hotel. Um, we compete with Spokane, you know, that's one of our biggest markets. They, they have, kind of have that, yeah. They do have that, and they have more convention space, and they have, um, I will say, you know, it's always like who builds first, yeah. right? Like if you build the hotel, we're already full, like the convention center, we're, we're booking into 2026. Oh, anybody who wants to try and get even right. just a meeting date at Boise right. Center, it's like good luck. And it's right. very expensive because there's demand, right? Exactly. So it's, so it's, do you build the convention center more, you know, somewhere else, you know, or, or build it up, whatever. Is there more space needed there or is there a hotel, is there more hotel space? And then to, to answer it a second way, um, the way, because we are in, in marketing and sales, right? Yeah. So we're trying to change our narrative when we're talking to groups, because before, I mean, yes, it's an obstacle. When we book a group of 500 people, they're in, typically they could be in 10 hotels mm-hmm. because that's the group blocks that we're getting because the leisure has been, and the other, you know, the other markets have been so strong, the hotels aren't giving these large group blocks, right? Um, and so we just had a group in town, Freeman, who's what the largest, um, event industry um, organization in the world. Um, They brought in their VIPs this summer and they did a campus kind of takeover. Mm -hmm. So they did things at the Egyptian Theater, at the Convention Center, at Jump. They bought out some restaurants for dining. They did a scavenger hunt all over the city. And it's really a great model when you think about it. It's It's getting people to really get to know the community, and I think a lot of um, what we're hearing from the from a younger market, like you know some of the millennials, they aren't so keen and staying in one room the whole time they're at a conference. They want to get to know the city they're in. They want to explore, and so the way that Freeman used it is their hotels were more like whatever division, like if it's like whatever sales, they're in this hotel. So they had team meetings like for breakfast and that sort of thing. So, you know, just trying while we have what we have, you know, because we have wonderful product here and it, you know, this is how we're kind of changing our narrative and our sales, you know, just because we still, we definitely still want to get people to, to come and have their meetings here and not be turned off by, oh, I have to have more than two hotels, you know. We're seeing a bunch of new product uh, come on the market. The Hotel Renegade um, should open here in 2024. I think spring is their target. You got the project across the street that Oppenheimer Company mm-hmm. is is redoing the old um, Safari Inn. Uh, Hotel 43 is undergoing a fairly good size revamp, um, and then you have the large um, dual branded concept there on, on Grove Street. And that's like one block, right? And mm-hmm. you're seeing a couple, like almost a thousand hotel rooms, I think, either revamped or built close to the convention center adding that capacity does that help that issue and go to kind of your campus idea by building that little cluster do you think it will for sure because i i believe um with that dual concept as well as the hotel renegade there's some meeting space in there mm-hmm. i mean it's three thousand square feet yeah. but you can have those breakouts you know more of that sort of like we do at the grove hotel they have some great meeting space as well so um 
you know, we're, we high, have a pretty high occupancy year round. We run a little bit over 70%. I know there are, you know, the larger hotel or the larger cities, um, they would really love yeah. the occupancy, <laughs> um, such as Boise has. So, you know, summers, it's sometimes hard to get a room. So I definitely think that there's need for additional product. Um, and, and really, you know, we meet with a lot of the companies that are coming through assessing, you know, for the needs of hotels. And, um, you know, we'll always mention the large convention hotel. Yeah, yeah. But I think what it comes down to is what the ownership and the, the um, funding sources are comfortable in, you know, having, what pencils out for them. And, you know, when there is a, a you know, hopefully we're never going to go through another pandemic, right? Um, but that hurt the larger, large hotels mm-hmm. were empty and closed down for a long time in like a Seattle or some of those markets. So in your nine years, you've kind of been through an interesting sweep here in, in the Boise area, obviously COVID, uh, a big piece, but taking that aside, mm-hmm. you look at the trend line and other that, and that kind of blip, it really has trended out strongly. Do you see that growth continuing? Do you see it accelerating? I know it's hard to predict. You look at what the Boise yeah. airport thinks and they show a pretty strong uptick. Do you think there's anything that um, helps or hinders that? No, I do. I do see us um, growing, and I think that um, just with how much people care about this community, these communities, right, the, sure. the whole valley. Um, you know, it's it's going to be smart growth. Um, I definitely feel like they'll build what the need is as it's needed, um, but it will be done in a, in a great, you know, thoughtful way. If you could just pick an amenity that you're like, gosh, if we just had this, it'd be great. I went, I've been to the new um, aquatic center uh, that I know a lot of people wanted for a long time, or mm-hmm. my little one's getting some early swimming lessons. Um, and that's kind of a new, neat thing to add. But if you could just say, gosh, I'm going to wave my magic wand and this is going to happen, what, what would that be? What does Boise really need to compete for that growth? Well, and I don't know if it necessarily needs to be right in Boise, it could be in Meridian or um, on, you know, the edge of Boise Meridian sure. or Garden City. Uh, a, we've we've been saying this for years that a multi youth youth young adult um, sports facility, mm-hmm. you know, there's pieces of it. Whenever you know, basketball is really big, volleyball is really big here, um, softball, baseball, and there's fields, you know, spread out. There's basketball courts. Usually, when we have a basketball event. Um, it's spread out at local high schools, you know, but having that, I mean, there's definitely a, a smaller facility, you know, that I'm sure if you've have, you have, um, haven't been there, it's like six courts, I believe, eight home court has six to eight mm-hmm. courts, um, which is great. It's phenomenal and it serves a great purpose. We need more than that Interesting. to be able to put on. So kind of back to that sports piece again, mm-hmm. being a big driver. Well, and what's great about the sports piece is, you know, some of the products being built here in downtown Boise, but there's a lot of product that's being built, you know, out by um, Top Golf, out by the airport, out by, and sports fills everything, right? So people, like, I, I'm a sports mom, and you don't necessarily stay right by the place that your child's competing at. You stay where the team has their block, and it might be 20 minutes away. It might be 30 minutes away. So so the good part about sports, it adds um, a balance, you know, to the system of, of where um, the hotel demand is. What do you think Boise's brand is to somebody 
outside the area that maybe hasn't traveled here before, what do you think that they first think? And then what's your role in tuning that towards something that's going to drive them to, to come here? Is it just blue turf? Is that what everybody thinks or is there more to it? Well, you know, they definitely know um, the blue turf. Mm-hmm. They know potatoes mm-hmm. for Idaho. Um, I, they know outdoors. I think they see the outdoors, but I, I think the perception, you know, I don't know if it's good or bad. There's like been a, a no perception mm. in some, some regard, depending on where. Western U.S., pretty much they know Boise, right? Or they think they know what around what Boise or Idaho has. Eastern. In Iowa, right? Yeah. 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 Eastern's still like, oh, we're nearby. We're in Iowa. You know, yeah. they do have that. So, so there's still that growing and we've been, you know, we're still limited, you know, on our marketing funding on, you know, we have to be really strategic and um, not wasteful and have ROI on the funds that we receive. So a lot of it is very pointed to the markets that have air service, either mm-hmm. nonstop air service or that you can drive, um, because those are that's who would be likely to come. So it it doesn't surprise me that Eastern U.S. may not know as much about Boise, Idaho, because we don't have a lot of nonstop. We have the Atlanta flight, and um, that's been phenomenal. I think it's been ninety five percent occupied. Crazy. You know, it's been yeah, and that's opened up the East Coast, but. Uh, you know, as we as air service develops, I could see that marketing developing as well. What role do you play in that? Obviously, uh, you know, Rebecca and the Rebecca Hop and the airport folks are focused on that. The chamber historically has been focused on that. The city of Boise has been focused on that. Even the tertiary cities that don't have the airport are focused on that. There's a wish list kind of a mile long that they'd like to see from mm-hmm. D.C. to Hawaii. Obviously, um, getting the short-lived New York uh, metro area flight back. How do you interface with that? And I'm sure you would like a flight to every destination in the country. <laughs> How do you help guide that and, and focus in on this is where we think there's dollars to be had? Obviously, it's there's multifacets there, right? Business travel and some of that. But for the actual tourism piece, how do you help that? Right. I mean, that is a good point because um, our part is more on, you know, the meetings, the conventions, the tourism, the sports aspect. So we do have a lot. We do have some data that we definitely share. We work very closely with the airport um, on, you know, we even do some marketing programs together on specific markets. I would say one of the one of the things that we can come in at um, when they are potentially either have a new flight announced, a new market announced, um, they usually have their dollars dedicated to letting people in Boise and the Treasure mm-hmm. Valley, the entire Idaho, right, sure. know that there's this flight. Our, our thought is let's get people from that market into Boise, right? Mm-hmm. So that's where we can counterbalance where we're like, well, we'll dedicate funds in Atlanta or we'll dedicate funds wherever that new flight is so we can get people to come from that market to here. Tell you what, anytime a, a flight changes in this town, we jump on that story because everybody reads it. Yeah. It's wild. I mean, people just are always excited to see where we can go or on the other side when we lose a flight, which does happen from time to time. Um, if you could pick one destination, I know I keep giving you this pick one thing thing, but yeah. if you could pick one destination or a few destinations, where would you? Where do you think there's the biggest bang for the buck to have a flight to? Well, if they were incoming, yeah, if they're willing to do an East Coast. Uh, you know, like a DC flight, Washington DC, uh, New York, 
or Boston, one of those three. Mm-hmm. So that wasn't just one, but I would say DC was my first one I said. So I would I would love a DC flight. Um, we do have a you know a lot of business in DC. There's a ton of associations there. It doesn't mean that all the members of their association live in that area, mm-hmm. um, but I I think. A DC flight would do well. That's a place you get political alignment in Idaho. <laughs> it doesn't really matter what part of the spectrum you're on. I'm sure our congressional delegation would be very happy with a DC flight, right? Yeah, um, absolutely. Anyone that loves their nonstops would be very happy, I'm sure. What are you excited <laughs> most about uh, in the coming years in Boise? It, it's just been really, really... I, I sometimes I have to pinch myself. I mean, it's been fun to see this community um, thrive and grow. Um, I, I look forward to, I mean, some of the technology is wild, right? Like the AI, um, where that's going to take um, hospitality and tourism, you know, it's all it's all the buzz at, at conferences. So it'd be interesting to see that. But yeah, I'd like to see things, um, everyone be successful. But, you know, I definitely want to hear from people if they feel like there's too much. I feel like we've had a we've had a slow growth and we want to continue that with um, making sure that businesses are thriving um, and people are still happy that live here. Because, you know, we're our biggest um, client, really. We're the ones experiencing the area the most. So two pieces of kind of news from from you all lately. Name change from Boise Convention and Visitors Bureau, which most people would just say Boise CVB because either one's a mouthful, but one's a little less of a mouthful uh, to visit Boise. What precipitated that change and and why now? We did a strategic planning process. It's probably been two years now, one and a half to two years. Out of that came, you know, we really have morphed into like a lot of the rest of the U.S. um, in other cities and destinations. The Convention and Visitors Bureau. Bureau seems so um, like we're a government agency, and we're not, right? We're a nonprofit. We're a 501c6. Like you're the FBI. Right. We're like we're the Bureau. It sounded very formal in that regard, but really um, Visit Boise just encompassing more of everything we do from the leisure to the cultural to the sports, to the um, meetings and conventions. It wasn't just about meetings and conventions anymore. Um, And it wasn't always about that either. That was always just the name, right? And so we're just kind of catching up with with what the work that we do. Yeah, I know a thing or two about names that are broader (laughs) than what we do. Um, And then I saw news from you uh, late in 2023 about a potato trail. So like a wine trail, but for potatoes. We put this in our Idaho first... Uh, newsletter and people were very uh, puzzled. I think would be the word to be honest. What what's the idea here and and, and how's that working? You know that was wild because um, we have uh, we have access to make these trails right, and they're doing them all over the country. But what trails can you can you use the software for? So what we've what we really wanted the software originally for was to do a kind of show your badge type thing for meetings conventions and sports so when they go to local stores um restaurants you know they can say hey i'm with far west soccer or whatever and then they get a dollar off whatever it is so that was the intent of the original of having the software and then for media um it's much easier to be like you know museums passes or whatever like here why don't you go explore the zoo the museums or whatever um, and so those were the two main reasons. But then we have access to make other. So we did a urban wine trail. Um, and then the team really came up with 
um, I was thinking Taco Trail because I love tacos. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and Same. I think there's some really good tacos yeah. here. Um, but they, they came up with the Potato Trail and worked with the Idaho Potato Commission on some giveaways. You know, like mm-hmm. if you go and you check off. And it's things yeah, we should like... explain what a, it is a little bit. There's like yeah. a potato donut at Guru Donuts. Or there's a beer at Barbarian that's made with potato. Um, so it's not all just going and having French fries right. or baked potatoes somewhere. There's poutine on the list. Um, so you just go and it's just um, it's just a way to um, have fun while you're exploring an area. So you can say, oh, yeah, you know, I checked off. I went to these five places and then you might get a um, Idaho Potato Commission hat or something you know like there's different there's different things that they can come and check in and and get things but i will say the biggest surprise or good thing that came of that was the media the media picked it up across the country so i know a lot of people here are always like stop you know like why are you why are you doing a potato everyone's everyone's associating potato with um, but I will say we we ended up getting because they also had there was a trail you know the potato trail up on, and we also had a room at um, one of the hotels here. Tell me about the potato it. trail up on. What what is that? I don't know what that is. Um, it's potato. Now I'm gonna get the name wrong. <laughs> in the spot. There's um, it's one of the trails. It's like an actual trail. It, the like Ridge a... to Rivers. Mm-hmm. Wow. And it's got the name potato. You know, okay. Okay. Potato in it. So as part of the potato trail, people can go on an actual potato trail. You can. It's not just a virtual right. thing. There's a interesting. Yes. Okay. So it was a little mixture of things, right? Yeah, There's yeah, a room yeah. that's decorated with, um, I think nicely at the NF 500 with potato, you know, like it's, yeah, yeah. it's not just a bunch of potato sacks. <laughs> it's around. not like going into five guys. Yeah. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so anyway, the media loved that part. Cause a lot of times they're like, we don't want to hear about another trail. I'll go to cities with our um, PR firm. And I do a lot with um, sometimes with Moya from the Idaho wine commission. And we'll go, we'll sit down and have these appointments um, one-on-ones with media. And they're like, don't tell me about another trail. But then they're like, but I don't want to hear about this potato trail, like, or, you know, I mean, so it's been interesting. I mean, we're only rolling them out, like, we'll roll them out for like four months at a time. Fascinating. Well, Carrie Westergaard with Visit Boise, uh, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much.